Well, this past summer, I had the opportunity of going to England for a wedding. And this England was for a childhood friend that I had. And uh, we were friends when we were six, and I moved here to Canada because I was born in England. And then we moved back, or we didn't move back. I'm going back for this wedding, and I was representing the family at my, friend, my dear friend Ben's wedding. Now, Ben's dad, Alan, uh, has become a, he's been a mentor for my dad over the years. They did ministry together. And uh, through the time I've got to know him, especially in our visit here, he's kind of become a mentor to me. Now, if you've ever uh, met an old person like Alan, <laughs> they got jokes that make you roll your eyes. I love listening to him tell stories. He'll tell stories. He says, oh, do you want to hear the Mennonite story? And you'll see his wife, Maureen, go, the eyes roll again as everyone at the table gets excited. And Alan tells this story about this. He says, once upon a time, there was a Mennonite couple that got married very young. Charlie and Margaret were their names, and uh, they moved into a small town near the mountain. And every year, there would be a fair, a county fair. And so this is the first time they go to this county fair. They walk in, and they're going to the booths, right? Rao cooking, and uh, you got all your Mennonite foods and stuff. In the corner, they notice, oh, a helicopter. And so Margaret bombs Charlie. Let's go check out the helicopters. And Charlie goes walking up. And they say, hello, Mr. Helicopter Pilot. How much uh, for the helicopter ride? He says, well, it's going to take you all through the mountains. It's actually a really good deal. It's only $100. And Charlie stands there going, $100 is $100. And they turn and leave. The next year comes. They walk through the market. They go around looking through it, looking through it. Oh, there's the helicopter. They walk up to it. Not today, Margaret. $100 is $100. And they leave. And this goes on for a number of years. 30 years pass. $100 is $100. I ain't doing it. And they turn and leave. The first helicopter pilot dies, and they bring a new guy on. This is 40 years later, 50 years later, every time. $100 is $100. $100 is $100. Guess the point. These, they're now, Margaret and Charlie are this old couple. And this old couple comes walking up. This is the third helicopter pilot. And before uh, Margaret and Charlie walk up, they say, I know who you are. And this guy thinks, I'm going to get them. Look, you can ride my helicopter for free, okay? I just want to get you a ride. But here's the deal. You cannot say a word the entire time. Not one peep. If you say a peep, you pay me $100. Oh, all right. Well, that sounds good, Margaret. So they get on the helicopter, get the headsets in, and this pilot goes up, and he takes them through the mountains and looking around. They're flying, moving, and it's a great time, right? They're getting near the end of the journey, and there hasn't been a peep. And so he says... I'm going to try and get this $100. So he starts doing winding turns, up and down, get them all uh, jazzed up. He does like a 360, turns off the engine, turns the engine back on. Not a peep. They land the helicopter. The helicopter pilot gets out thinking, my goodness, that was impressive. And he walks up to Margaret and says, Margaret, I, I honestly thought that uh, you would peep. And Margaret looks at him and said, well, I almost, uh, I almost did when Charlie fell out, but $100 is $100. <laughs> of course, everyone rolls their eyes. Now, why am I telling you this story? One, because you're all Mennonites. And I bet you half of you were at the MCC sale just like a few minutes ago, eating your row cooking. But the other reason I tell you this story is because I love this image of this old couple, right? together in marriage over the years. And as we look at marriage, as we desire marriage, if God has put that on your heart, 
We look forward to growing old together. I remember talking the other day with one of my friends, and he said, you know, man, I'm just looking for someone I can hang out with for the rest of my life, and we just do life together. But then we get into the 21st century and say, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to do this? Technology messes all of this up. Um, so we're basing this series on a, a book called um, Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. And in the book, uh, he does these things called focus groups where he gets a bunch of people together and he asks them questions about dating. And I love this right here, okay? Because technology is confusing things. The first person in the focus group says this. A phone call, that's the worst. The second person says this. If you want to talk to me, you're going to have to call me. <laughs> or my favorite one. Every guy in the focus group. <laughs> it's not as easy as we thought it was. I grew up with a younger sister, and so uh, she would watch a lot of movies about romance and things. It just, maybe some of you have seen the movie with Amanda Bynes, where she goes to England, What a Girl Wants. And she goes to England, she ends up being this prime minister's daughter or something like that, and she ends up living in this fancy home, and, and then she meets this guy, and it's super easy. And you're like, that, I watched that my whole life. Why isn't that easy? And then I remember watching another movie with Hilary Duff called Raise Your Voice, <laughs> where she goes off to music school, because I want to study music. And she meets, wait for it, the same guy. <laughs> and they fall in love. And uh, they live happily ever after. And she went, of course, she was like, I'm not a good singer. And then she ends up being the best singer, and she leads the whole concert at the end, and everyone's enjoying themselves, right? <laughs> so I see these things, and I go off to college, and I'm like, this is the time, you know? <laughs> going to find a wife, four years, and uh, going to put that ring by spring. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And then I got to my university, and uh, they're all militant feminists who don't need a man. And so... <laughs> <laughs> So here we are. <laughs> You're probably wondering, Daniel, so why are you talking to us about dating? Because I understand, <laughs> friends. I understand what is happening. I understand what we're going through. And so, look, I'm not an expert on this, but in ways that Andy doesn't understand, the game has changed, right? Great. <laughs> so I want to look at this in three ways. The first one is, what is dating? What is the purpose of dating? And then what must we do? What is dating? What is the purpose of dating? And what must we do? I want to look at Genesis for you. We're going to go back to the beginning, to God's creation. Genesis 2.8 reads this. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. There he put a man, the man that he had formed. Verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man and said, and then the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, or as every joke says, Whoa, man! <laughs> for she was taken out of the man. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. In the beginning, God saw that creation was good. 
But he also saw that it was not good that Adam was alone. He said, this is part of my design. Is actually, he needs a helper. He needs someone with him. And you know, he had the animals. Any cat lovers here? Your houses stink, by the way. <laughs> my grandma has a cat and it vomited everywhere. And I had to clean that this morning. Did he, what, what is it? What does it smell, sour or, I don't know, Granny, please don't make me this. <laughs> but there's a difference between having a relationship with animals and then having a relationship with another person, right? You want to watch a sunset with a dog? No. <laughs> you want to watch a sunset with someone that you can talk to, someone that you can feel, someone that you can grow in deep relationship with. And that is what God's design is for this. God's design for marriage is that two people would come into a deep relationship with one another, a committed relationship with one another. Now, that was Genesis. And I don't know about you, but I haven't seen any people formed out of the dust and presented to me uh, to be my wife. <laughs> so there's a process that we call dating. And the way I want to define dating this evening is I want to say dating is a process of evaluation. What are we evaluating? We're evaluating if this is the type of person that I should marry. It's a process. I'm evaluating if this is the type of person that it would actually make sense if we live the rest of our lives together. And you, you want to be evaluating certain things. One, you're evaluating chemistry. Do I actually like talking to this person? Because most of marriage is going to be, you're just talking. What are we eating for dinner? <laughs> I don't want beans on toast again. Daniel, you suck at cooking. So do you like hanging with them? Is there, is there camaraderie here? Another one is attraction. You're evaluating that. I love how Andy puts it so eloquently. He says, do you want to make babies with that person? <laughs> you're looking at interests. You're evaluating interests, practical interests, right? Do you enjoy the same things? Can you have shared experiences in the same things? And another thing that we're evaluating is, what is this person's faith walk like? Like, are they running the same direction as me? I need to know that before I go into a marriage. Because if I'm running towards God, and this person isn't running quite with me, I don't know if I want that. Is that person running alongside you and chasing the same thing? You both look at each other and say, yeah, this is something that we want to do. And so you walk through an evaluation together through dating as you both chase Christ. And that ultimately leads to marriages. These two people chase God together, and it's like their lives intersect, right? That is the process of evaluation. That is how I want to define dating. Dating is a process of evaluation. So look, what is the purpose of dating? I love how Aziz Ansari says it in his book, Modern Romance. Aziz Ansari writes, In the past, a guy would be thinking, Oh, snap! i got to have kids to work on the farm. I need four-year-old kids performing manual labor ASAP. <laughs> and a woman would think, i better find a dude who's capable on the farm and with a plow so I don't starve and die. <laughs> and so they meet up at the MCC sale. Right? <laughs> but what we're really looking for is we're looking for, hey, is this someone that I can enter into a relationship with, right? You don't, you don't get married, okay? You don't start dating so that you're no longer single, okay? That's not the end goal. That's a, that's a reactionary, but you're, you're dating um, to grow in relationship with that person, and that relationship leading to marriage. So, yeah, you become not single, 
That's just a product of it, but that's not the goal. Does that make sense? So that is the purpose of dating. But I want to draw your attention back to verse 24. Verse 24 says, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. What is meant to be communicated here is a close intimacy between man and wife. I'm not talking about friendships. Look, if you're single here, like me, okay, you have lots of friendships. There's a breadth of relationships, and you can have some great relationships here. But this intimacy that's being talked about here is is such a deep, close-knit intimacy that is happening between two people. In this type of relationship, they are not asking, what can I get? Out of the person, they're asking, what can I give to this person? This goes both ways now. What can I give? How can I serve this person? We're in a relationship together. We are committed to one another. And so, look, this this process of evaluation, it happens in a few different ways nowadays. And in the book, you know, they they go through the history of it. You have uh, arranged marriages that happen where the families basically decide they do the evaluation for the, for the two young people. And they say, hey, this is, uh, we think this would be a good, a good match for you. And we'll give you a bunch of cows. <laughs> okay. MCC sale. <laughs> <laughs> then you have uh, courting, right? Where the people would go into, and sit in the lobby with the parents, and the parents would sit there, and you'd sip on your tea. And they would say to one another, how was um, the weather? It was great. I like you, too. And they sit with one another in there. Uh, and now we have more modern things where, you know, two people don't necessarily have to be with their parents. Maybe they go to their parents for advice. But they are, uh, they are working through this together in this process of evaluation. So in Aziz Ansari's book, Modern Romance, he, he highlights two of them. He highlights the first one is a very modern way of dating, which is online dating. And to get an experience of this, Andy Steiger made me sign up for Bumble which is a dating app <laughs> which is a dating app that uh, you, you, you know you do the swiping thing right if you have an attraction to someone you swipe and uh, there's like you have to upload a couple photos and so it I linked mine with my Facebook so it uploaded photos for me and then I'm like oh the first one's good and then I looked at the second one <laughs> not a good photo and so I, and then I felt this like this insecurity so I'm going through trying to figure out I'm looking through my Facebook one evening, trying to, okay, I should probably have that photo. No, I'm not, maybe this photo. And, uh, you know, I, I trust me, I just like to think that I'm better looking in person than in the photos. I just hate myself in photos. So whatever, I throw this thing on there. But the way Bumble works is if you have a match with someone, I think you're attractive, I think you're attractive, and you're matched, right? Oh, there's a match. And uh, what happens is the girl messages first. And so the guy doesn't have to send some sort of, terrible line. The girl messages first, and you go back and forth, and you can grow and have relationships that way. It's a super modern thing. And I feel like um, online dating gets a bad rap as if like you're desperate. But on the other hand, it's actually super smart because you're increasing your reach to people you never would actually meet. And then uh, uh, along the way, it's like, okay, if it doesn't work out, you're not going to see the person again, probably. Right? And you swipe through, like you're swiping through people. You just see their face for a second, and that's gone. And so you're probably not going to remember the person. So at the end of this, I affirm online dating (laughs) through my experience. Although I had no matches, so there you go. 
Look, what I was talking about the reach thing, listen to this statistic, okay? Uh, in the book, Aziz Ansari, he looks at a, a marriage record in the city of Philadelphia in 1932, and he says, okay, we looked at 5,000 consecutive marriages. This blows my mind. Ansari writes, one-third of couples who got married have lived within a five-block radius of each other before they got married. One out of six of these 5,000 people had lived within the same block. And most amazingly, one out of every eight married couples had lived in the same building before they got married. Just a very different way of, of people marrying back in the day. You're young, I'm young, let's get married. And it's pretty remarkable. So times have changed because now modern dating, people you know, with online personalities, online personas, you have a reach that increases in different places, for good or for bad, right? Like I said, it didn't work out for me on Bumble. <laughs> now, the, the downside of online dating, though, is that there can be too many choices. There can be too many choices. So, on the other side, what if that person was chosen for you? Andy Steiger took it upon himself to arrange <laughs> a blind date for me. And uh, it was actually a lot of fun. Um, it was actually a lot of fun. And he printed out all these letters, okay? And he said it would be great because um, he, he didn't even know what this, this person's name was. Okay, but he said, Daniel, I can confirm it is a girl. So, <laughs> but I would walk by as he's typing these letters and he'd go, and cover his laptop. And even if I'm walking by, he'd cover it. But he was typing out a bunch of instructions. So there were five letters. Each letter, uh, the first one was like, okay, uh, get in your car drive, pick up red flowers, and then go deliver them to said girl. And I thought, great. So I go, and I, I'm like, I don't know what flower. I just picked some roses. It felt like a lot. I'm like, do I do the one rose, like on The Bachelor, or do I do a bunch? <laughs> I was like, it's actually more money efficient to buy a lot of them than to buy just one rose. So I buy all these roses, and then I go walking out uh, really quickly to my car. And I put the rose on the seat, and then I open up the second thing after I got the roses, and it has the address of where I have to go pick up this girl. And so I'm getting really nervous at this point, okay? And so I'm like, I haven't eaten anything. So I take this banana that I had in my car and start eating the banana. And uh, I'm like, get my fuels up and stuff. And then I realize, wait a minute, what do I do with the peel? My car's going to rig like banana when this girl gets in. So as I'm merging onto the freeway at Whatcom Road, just, <laughs> so if you were driving by, Highway 1, you would have seen a banana, that was me, and I, I drove by it today, and it's still there, so. Uh. <laughs> These instructions were really fun, so I get to her house, standing there, well, I got there 10 minutes early, and so I drove around uh, the block and just hid for a bit, <laughs> and collected my nerves, right? And then, uh, with like a minute to spare, then I pull up, park the car, and uh, then I walk out with these flowers, and I walk up to the doorbell, ding dong, and I stand there. There's no one at the door. And then I knock on the door, and still nothing. And then there's a second doorbell, and I ring the second doorbell, and nothing. And so I feel like an idiot just standing with a big bouquet of flowers. There's neighbors walking by. <laughs> but look, let me be really honest with you here, okay? This is coming from the heart. At this point, I was like, this is going to go like a lot of my other things have gone, okay? In my personal experience, relationships haven't worked out. I've gotten shut down a lot. And, uh, and it hurts. It's not great. You know, and it hurts. And, and, and dating is complicated. And so here I am standing there. I'm like, Andy made these instructions. And I'm getting shut down on an arranged date. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next thing I heard was, 
are you from Northview? <laughs> yes, are you the person from the village? Yeah, and so we got in the car and we started talking. I, I'm like, we have all these instructions. And so we, we go through these instructions. We end up at this Caribbean restaurant. Um, and there was a painting evening. Andy said, you're going to be painting. And he's like, the red roses are going to make sense. We end up painting these red flowers. And I'm a terrible painter. Uh, There's probably a photo. That's what the painting was supposed to look like. And so there would be this painting. And <laughs> there was a lady. She would just start yelling out instructions. And at one point, my date said, she's like, yours is looking really dark and morbid. <laughs> and I said, you have no idea. <laughs> Anyways, I'm pretty proud of how mine came out. <laughs> and if you want to purchase that, I am at the back at the end of the night. It's like a strawberry. I don't know how that came together. But here's the things I learned from this date. It was a lot of fun. Okay? And it's okay to go on dates. Just because you go on a date doesn't mean it's the, like you have to get married. We went on a date. We got to know each other. It was actually really, really cool. It was really fun. One of the things that I also learned was I appreciated how much trust had to go into this. This girl had to trust in who I was, in, him, in my character. She had to trust in the person who helped set that up. And, I, and ladies, I just really um, appreciate that when you put yourselves out there, you're putting a lot of trust into us men. And um, shame on us if we affect and we, and we don't deliver and we break your trust. It's a very vulnerable thing to be alone with a guy. And so, man, we have to do better. And, and where we failed, I'm sorry. I really am. The last thing that I learned was, even though I didn't know who this person was, I had to treat them like they were made in the image of God. As a person made in the image of God. And in the same way as I was on the online dating thing, swiping through a bumble, left, right, left, right, this is a person on the other side. So whatever happens, I need to treat them before God as someone made in the image of God. We see in the beginning of creation, it says in Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. The purpose of dating is relationship with someone made in the image of God leading to marriage. And let me tell you, one of the coolest things at the end of this date that really affirmed that is we opened up all these instructions that at the very end, the last one was uh, drop off your date and, and pray for each other. And in that moment, it was super cool as we just, uh, we got to know each other and we shared about our lives and our struggles and things we love and we got to pray for one another. And it felt so honorable before God that we had um, you know, in pursuing something actually, like, good. God wants marriage for us, and it's okay to, to want that. And so, uh, as we pray for another, I thought it was a super, um, it was just a great way to end it. So, the purpose of dating is relationship with someone made in the image of God leading to marriage. So then, what must we do? Point number three. What must we do? How, how should we live in this? as we pursue someone made in the image of God, we must treat them as a human being who's vulnerable and, and, and like someone that you're going to be self-sacrificing for. And that goes both ways. As you pursue marriage together, as you both pursue God, treat them like a human being. 
Because here's the problem. We don't do this, do we? We often don't do this. Instead of being actively self-sacrificing, we become self-gratifying. Instead of being self-sacrificing, you say, what can I get out of this? We become narcissists sometimes. Jean Twenge in her book, Narcissist, The Narcissism Epidemic, writes, to understand the narcissist's approach to relationships, take any, every one of these ideas and throw them away. In place of love for another person, put love for the self. In place of caring, put exploitation. And to commitment, add as long as it benefits me. What can I get from this person? Leads to people being taken advantage of people being abused. Is that you? Does that describe you? Another thing that I think we run into when we talk about dating, we get this wrong too, we're narcissists. And with that comes pride. We're enormously prideful. And we begin to treat, not dating as a, as a process of evaluation, but we te- treat dating as a status. That if I'm dating someone, this, this, this is where I rank on the social scale, okay? How good looking are they? How successful are they? Where do I fit in, in the social scale of life, right? I'm dating the head cheerleader. I'm dating the football captain. You see that in all the movies, right? And they have all the status. To put, to, but to bring this home, uh, one of the weird things, and I think it's just Abbotsford, <laughs> is if you're not married by the time you're 20, Ron, 21, there's something wrong with you. And what? Look, you don't have to be 21 and be married as if it's some sort of status. Some of you aren't ready to get married. Some of you probably shouldn't get married. <laughs> right? For now, you got to sort some stuff out. But when we treat it as a status, right, that I've now made it to this level of life, and now people will respect me. When you do that, you're placing the status above the person, and that's not right. Before God, that is not right. Because you're placing status in front of the image of God. And let me just say this, too. If you're someone who uh, isn't dating anyone and you're single, and you're like, I just want to be content in the Lord, amen. Be content in the Lord for now. And maybe marriage is a desire that you have in the future. Then pursue that. But don't make it everything. Don't base it on a status. You're not dating someone. There's there's nothing wrong with you, okay? There's not, on the status of things, if you're not dating someone, it doesn't mean that you're a problem, okay? I wanted to address that. So here's my question. We, we, are, we are told to, to uphold people in the image of God. We are told to, um, to, to pursue them with good intentions. That's, that's what follows when, when you treat someone as a human being in the, in the image of God. But if I ended the sermon here, why is it that we wouldn't do this? Why is it that you don't do this? Why is it that I don't do this? 
We get all excited. Oh, man, I love, I'm going to be such a good uh, boyfriend. I'm going to be such a good girlfriend. We're going to have such an awesome time. We're going to get married. Uh, and and you, you plan out all these things. Things are going to be good. And you think it's going to be so good at the start. I'm going to be self-sacrificing. I'm not going to try and take advantage of this person. And then we end up not doing that. Pride sets in. Status sets in. We all end up failing in this area. And you will not have the ability to live up to the standard that God has for us. But there was one who did. In Jesus, we see the only person who has ever lived like this. Jesus was self-sacrificial in his emotional wants. Right? Remember on the cross, not my will, but yours. Right? When he's in the garden. Not my will, God, but yours. Jesus never took advantage of people and never took what wasn't his. Jesus was willing to sacrifice his body even to death for those he loved. Jesus was willing to give up his status in heaven to come down here and, and, and lower himself and be among you and I. And Jesus, he never looked with lust, but he always looked with compassion. And Jesus gave his life for his bride, the church. You need a savior. I need a savior. And we're never going to be able to live like this. We're never going to be able to live the way that God is calling us to unless we, we don't. We're, like It's never going to be possible unless we believe in the one who did it for us. Amen? Jesus did all these things. And, and he, did, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the mandates. And so now through him, we can learn to follow Jesus and live in his way, and allow him to direct and guide our lives as we walk in holiness, and as we pursue God, and as we pursue relationships. It is only through the power of Christ and, and the help of the Holy Spirit come along us, and the love of the Father as our, as our model, the self-sacrificing model, that we will be able to live like this. You begin to see how Jesus makes all things right, right? It's through Jesus that we are able to do this. We come to God not for what he can give us, but we come to God for relationship with him, right? And that's the same with dating. So as, as you enter into dating, go into it for an intention of relationship that's going to aim somewhere for marriage. Not what you can get out of it, but Relationship. As we follow Jesus and as, as we become sanctified, um, my prayer is that as we, as we seek to do this as a community, that we do it well and we do it honoring. And if things don't work out, we're still brother and sister. Jesus is good, and it's only through him that we can um, ever do this. Let me pray for us. Father, for your goodness, I'm thankful, and for your grace. And uh, Lord, this is all grace. And so as we, as we enter and we think about dating, we think about relationships, Father, would we treat it as, a, as an evaluation? But may, may we never lose sight of you. You are the rock. And you are, you are our strength when we are weak, and you are the treasure that we seek. And, and Lord, these are... Um, these are tough times. These are tough days. There's emotions, Father, but we trust in you. And if we have our contentment and fulfillment in you, whatever happens is in your hands. 
Father, if we trust God with our lives, we trust you with our lives, then we ought to trust you with our relationships as well. And so I pray that we do. Everybody said? Amen.